When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's another beautiful day for baseball in Los Angeles. And baseball podcast. Josh Schaefer and Blake Harris cover everything Dodgers right here on Inside the Ravine. How is it going, everyone? Welcome to a brand new episode of Inside the Ravine. Joining me, as always, my co-host, Josh Schaefer, but he's coming to you live from a different hockey facility. He's all the way down in El Segundo. So, Josh, we're adding another one to your uh, bingo card of locations in which you've recorded the podcast. I think I'm still staying at one, but I think you're up to like four or five right now at this point. Yeah, so I think... I think this is a new one, right? At least this specific location that I'm in right now is a new one. Um, but yeah, kind of weird. This is the first Friday of our entire season where we have not played a game. So a little bit odd, um, but but you know, gives us an opportunity to record a to record a podcast. So um, and obviously it's a good time because there's there's a lot of stuff going on all of a sudden. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, who would have thought when we recorded our last episode, you know, we recorded right after the Shohei Otani news and we were thinking, okay, by the time we record our next episode, we're probably just going to be talking about how the move was made official and he had his press conference and all that. But yeah, the Dodgers have given us a whole lot of stuff to talk to. So we have a lot to cover, Josh, before you have to go and, you know, cover hockey stuff and men on skates and all that fun stuff. I don't know how it works, but hey, I don't hockey, Josh Hockeys. Before we get to all that fun stuff, make sure you guys follow us on social media. We're at Inside the Ravine. We're on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and of course on YouTube. You guys can also listen to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and of course on the Odyssey app. So, Josh, a lot to break down, but we got to start with, uh, you know, the main the main draw, and that's Shohei Otani. The deal became official uh, earlier in the week. He had his press conference yesterday, but I forgot that when the last time we recorded... We weren't aware of what really the details were with the contract. I believe we knew that it was for $700 million when we recorded on Saturday, but we didn't really know the extent of that. And then I believe on Sunday, I think, maybe Monday, I forget, you know, the time frame, the details of the contract came out. And I can't share what we exchanged in our text messages because I think we were saying uh, WTF, as uh, Phil Dunphy from Modern Family says, why the face? But we had some pretty big reactions to the Shohei contract because although he signed for $700 million, $68 million per season is going to be deferred once that contract is up. And Shohei Otani is only going to be getting $2 million in cash from the Dodgers for the next decade. Now, I know you and I were kind of confused. I know a lot of people were confused on how this works. And essentially, my SparkNotes version that I've been able to come up with, that if you want to tell your kids about, this is what you need to know. So the Dodgers are paying Shohei Otani $2 million in cash. But for the CBT, for luxury tax purposes, there's some way where the contract is figured out, and it essentially came out to a 10-year, $460 million deal. So Shohei's getting $2 million, but 
$46 million of imaginary monopoly money are going towards the CBT, the luxury tax. So when you look at the Dodgers' entire payroll as a whole, it's going to say $46 million for Shohei. But again, that's just like imaginary money. He's only getting $2 million. So Josh, we've never seen a contract like this ever before in sports. And a lot of people, a lot of fan bases outside of the Dodgers are very upset because they're saying, how does a guy like this get away with this? How is this legal? There was a great Wolf of Wall Street clip that you shared with me that is just phenomenal that Unreal. pretty much sums it up perfectly. But essentially... The reason Shohei Otani wanted to do this is because he's getting $50 million at least per year in endorsements and sponsorships. He is swimming in cash, and then, of course, he'll be getting $68 million a year a decade from now. But this isn't the typical player. If you're a normal free agent, you're not going to want to defer 97% of your yearly earnings for a decade from now. Shohei is just the rare unicorn case where he's able to make this work, and he pretty much came and he told the Dodgers... I want you to take all this money you're saving by not paying me and go out and get other guys. Now, we saw it with the trade that they made that we'll talk about later in the show. They could potentially make some other moves as well. But, Josh, I mean, first off, again, the whole Shohei Otani signing, that was massive. But learning more about this contract, learning what he's doing for the Dodgers and opening up their payroll even more to go out and spend more. I mean, the guy was just introduced yesterday, and I'm already saying we need to build him a statue for this. Yeah, I mean, so basically, just to, to kind of go back to what you said to start all of this, um, what we knew the last time we did the show was that there were going to be deferrals for each season that would ultimately allow the Dodgers to be able to put some of that money towards signing more players immediately to make the team better. We knew that. We said, Shohei, you dog, you're so cool. We didn't know he was taking $2 million per season, which is unbelievable. So, yep, you're right. Build the statue just because he's a freaking bro for this. Um, Shohei's the man um, and and good for the Dodgers for, for settling this down. You know, what we also learned from the deal is that Andrew Friedman, not just did he secure the, the, the greatest player of this generation for the next 10 years, but he's also got the single greatest job security <laughs> offer of all time because if right. he leaves, Shohei can opt out. So, obviously, he's not going anywhere. Um, so that's a part of the deal as well. But ultimately, this thing with Shohei, we've already seen that it's paying dividends because, you know, we talked a little bit about the sponsorship revenue in our last episode, um, how the Angels obviously had really high sponsorship revenue um, these past couple of years with Shohei. The Dodgers are immediately – the Dodgers are toward the top of that already. That's going to skyrocket with Shohei, and the Dodgers are already going to start to make some of that money back. Now, obviously, when we talked about that, we didn't know that they were only going to be ultimately paying him he was going to be deferring 68 million per season um but already Shohei's going to make that money back like you said with these sponsorships with the endorsements with um you know his image likeness and all that just by being with the Dodgers within 48 hours he set the Fanatics record for yeah. sales of a single jersey he broke Lionel Messi's record when he went to the MLS I mean we're talking about obviously Shohei Otani right now is the face of baseball Lionel Messi might be the face of global sports. That's what we're talking about. That's the yeah. sure he's just going to the MLS, but we're talking about the greatest footballer in the world now coming to the United States and the jersey sales that came along with that, not just in the US, but globally. And Shohei broke that in 48 hours by a lot. So already we're starting to see that the contract is paying dividends and is working out to benefit not just Shohei, but also the Dodgers. So now that we get some more of these details, we're seeing 
what the Dodgers are actually paying, what they're saving as well to go out and get other players, which we've already seen today and we'll talk about in a few minutes. But also for Shohei, it's not like he's just saying, I'm only going to take $2 million, which is hilarious, by the way. That's also life-changing money. I would take that in a heartbeat. But I'd be glad. Yeah, it, I'd it's, gladly take that. Yeah, I, I, would, I, would be, I think I'd be okay with that. But <laughs> he's saying, I'll only take the $2 million and you guys can use whatever else to go later and just pay me whenever, right? It's not even like that. It's Yeah, I'll take the $2 million, but I'm also going to get all of these other things in the meantime as well. And it's working out for the Dodgers too. So, um, so far, um, the guy has – Technically, I mean, he's put the jersey and hat on, but technically uh, hasn't even suited up yet. And things seem to be working out brilliantly for all parties involved. Yeah, I mean, although you see the $68 million number in deferrals for once he's done, but $68 million 10 years from now is not going to be the same as $68 million today. And I believe that $68 million that the Dodgers are going to be paying yearly, that's not going to go towards the CPT, towards the luxury tax. It's essentially a $68 million check they got to write. But, I mean, it's a genius move all the way around. I absolutely love it. Shout out to Shohei. Because, again, it $2 million for a guy that could easily, I mean, he should be getting $70 million a year. That's quite the discount, but again, he's getting 50 plus million in sponsorships, all that kind of stuff. But a true MVP, and like you said, Josh, Andrew Friedman securing job security for the next decade because Shohei has it in his contract. It kind of came out at first, and we were thinking, okay, maybe this is for his interpreter because if for some reason his interpreter were to leave, he might want to leave. But no, it's for Andrew Friedman or Mark Walter, and it actually makes a lot of sense because Andrew Friedman, Mark Walter, the ownership, they promised him, Shohei, when you're here for the next decade, we're going to do everything in our power to build this team around you, to make sure that we provide the pieces to help this team win. And if for some reason Andrew Friedman opts to either retire, leave, I mean, I don't know what better baseball job there is out there, but if Andrew Friedman were to leave, I could see why Shohei might be a little concerned and thinking, okay, whoever comes in, are they going to have the same mindset that Andrew Friedman had? So Andrew Friedman, he said that it wasn't his idea, it was Shohei's idea, so that's even better. He locks up job security for a decade, he doesn't have to be the one that proposes it, and uh, if Andrew Friedman wants to go to the ownership and say, I won $10 million a year, or else I walk, he might be able to get it. So overall, a crazy deal all the way around. His press conference was yesterday. A lot of great things that we learned. Essentially, my a couple takeaways I had from the press conference was, one, it doesn't sound like he had Tommy John surgery this offseason. It's some random surgery that is similar but different in a way, but it sounds like he should be pretty much good to go. And apparently there was a an article from Dr. Neil Atrosh, I think I said that right, in the LA Times yesterday, where Shohei could actually potentially start throwing in August or September. I think the Dodgers should just hold him out the rest of the year, but he could potentially be back at the end of the year. Sounds like he should be able to hit by opening day. And I absolutely love that because, again, it, it sounds like Shohei's health long-term isn't going to be too big of a risk. But outside of that, not, nothing really major that I took away. It sounded like, you know, the Dodgers were kind of leading the way during the whole negotiating process. Uh, Shohei was aware of what was going on Friday during the uh, flight tracking season, and he was just sitting on his couch with his dog, which, by the way, Josh, decoy. I kind of like that. His name is decoy. It's kind of cool. I was still hoping for Dodger, but... Yeah, that would be... I mean, I know that we... It, it was really blown out of proportion, I think, but if we're being completely honest, the dog's name was Dodger. That would have been absolutely insane. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, just crazy. So, the press conference happens. Again, nothing nothing major I took away. Josh, were there any other takeaways you had, aside from the ones I just mentioned about his surgery and being able to hit and be ready by opening day? 
Well, before really the whole Q&A, when, when Andrew Friedman came up and spoke, I really liked what he said about um, the Dodgers, you know, story history with, with Japanese-born players and basically what their goal is. And the vision both for the Dodgers and Shohei, aside from winning, is also continuing to build that baseball culture in Japan and converting, you know, hopefully an entire nation to be Dodger fans. And I think that that's so cool. And we knew that that was going to be a thing, obviously, um, the Dodgers are a global brand. Um, they're a national brand, but really the Dodgers do have one of the most diverse fan bases in baseball. Um, and I think that, you know, signing the top player in the world, but especially at the top player in the world from Japan could really help with the Dodgers um, kind of integrating themselves into the culture of Japanese baseball. And that seems to be a vision both for Andrew Friedman and Mark Walter and the Dodgers, um, but also for Shohei Otani. And I think that that's really cool as well. Um, a couple of other details that I think that came out about the contract, maybe not specifically from the press conference that jump out to me. Um, you know, a couple of days ago, we did learn that the Giants matched the $700 million offer for Shohei. And he said, no, um, I think that that's crazy. Um, I think that that I think is going to make a lot of Dodger fans feel great and Giants fans feel not so great. Um, the one other thing that I'll that I'll say is I think a lot of people have blown the whole like, oh, he doesn't want to be in San Francisco. You know, it's not nice. It's not what I think that's completely blown out of proportion. What I think is really crazy is and I hope that this is not a, a full pivot for us, Blake, because we really could do an entire show about this one topic. So I'll try to keep this short, but it is now painfully obvious than it was this past season that the Angels should have traded Shohei Otani at the yeah. deadline because Arte Moreno to me had no intention of matching that 700 million and the reports have just come out these last couple of days um you know from Jack Harris at the LA Times obviously we've talked about Jack a little bit we went to school with Jack uh, he reported that the Angels matched the 700 million and even though Shohei tried to continue negotiations with the Angels because he felt like he at least owed them that after being yeah. there the last couple of years, he enjoyed his time there, obviously, other than the fact that they didn't win very much. But he had been there the last couple of years, had enjoyed his time there, felt like he owed them, you know, the, the good communication and the lengthy discussions, and they had no interest in matching the $700 million. So for me, I think that makes it painfully obvious that the Angels had no intention of matching that and should have traded Otani at the deadline which I already thought was obvious. And now that they don't land him, it's just now that he's going across town to the Dodgers, I think it's just absolutely painful for the angels. And I don't yeah. understand why they didn't because somebody would have, somebody would have given up a King's ransom for Shohei Otani at the deadline last year, pillaged their own prospect pool just to land Shohei and just get a leg up on all the other teams in free agency. And they didn't want to do that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we got we we had an idea, but yesterday we finally got the confirmations that Shohei's camp. Even at the very end, they went to the Angels and they said, "Okay, one final chance." I'm not sure if they would have matched it if Shohei would have gone to them, because then again, it defeats the whole purpose of him wanting to win so bad. But yeah, it just goes to show that the Angels, if they had no intention of matching it, the fact that they refused to trade him, they could have traded him to the Dodgers and gotten the Dodgers' top haul in return, but. They chose not to. Armoreno continues to be just an absolute laughable owner. And Angels, sorry, but sucks to suck. 
Uh, one final thing I also wanted to mention, Josh, on the uh, press conferences that Shohei actually said this. He said one of his biggest takeaways when he talked with like Andrew Friedman and the Dodger ownership is that they told him over the last 10 years, we've made the playoffs every year. We've made three World Series and we've won one World Series, but we consider the last decade to be a failure. And for probably many other organizations making the playoffs 10 years straight, winning a World Series in that 10-year span, considering that to be a failure uh, is insane. And Shohei took that as this team wants to win more. They want to win badly, and I want that. And I'm very excited to see because I don't think any player in baseball wants to win more than Shohei does. I mean, we saw what it was like in the World Baseball Classic when his team was winning, and I think that's going to be an absolute boost for the Dodgers, and hopefully it's going to rub off on a lot of the other players because they weren't playing with that same passion and fire in October that we saw, you know, in the regular season. So I love it. I love that Shohei wants to win more than anything, and yeah, it's it's great that it's finally official, Josh. He passed the physical, and now we just have to wait until spring training to see him actually suit up actually see him in the box and uh, see what Shohei Otani is able to deliver. So Shohei Otani is a Dodger. It was a lot of fun, but Josh, again, the crazy thing is we're doing an episode talking about Shohei Otani becoming a Dodger. That might not even be the biggest news that we're talking about in this episode because the Dodgers literally minutes after the Shohei presser ended, they made a trade. Josh, what exactly is that trade? We'll get to it after this break. Josh, this is a very interesting trade because over the course of 48 hours, I went from absolutely hating the trade to actually kind of turning things around and really liking the trade. Now, as of right now, it's still not official, but it looks like it's going to get there at some point today. The Dodgers acquired Tyler Glass now and Manuel Margot from the Rays in exchange for Ryan Pepio and Johnny DeLuca. Now, we're kind of going to go step by step here because when the trade was initially reported a couple days ago, Josh, you and I were not fans of the deal because one, you're trading for a pitcher that has one year left to control and a hitter that has one year left to control as well. And you're trading away two rookies with lots of control left. And you're also essentially adding a starting pitcher by subtracting a starting pitcher. So you're kind of at square one. So you and I kind of weren't on board with the trade initially, but when it came out yesterday that the deal was contingent on Tyler Glasnow signing an extension, and then this morning it came out that he was signed to a four-year extension past this year, so essentially a five-year contract. I don't know how you feel personally. I completely changed my tune because now you're getting a starting pitcher, one of the better starting pitchers in all of baseball, locked in for the next five years, so it at least really, really limits the risk by sending those two rookies away. Yeah, I completely agree. A couple of days ago, seeing that it was Glasnow and uh, Manuel Margot uh, for Ryan Pepio and Johnny DeLuca. At face value, this is a starting right-handed pitcher and an outfielder uh, for a starting right-handed pitcher and an outfielder who are both rookies, who were both terrific last year when called upon. So I think at face value, you're thinking, I mean, Tyler Glasnow is an ace. That's your 1A pitcher with the Dodgers, with Bueller, with maybe Kershaw in the fold in the future, with Shohei in the fold in the in the future. Like, that's a 1A, 1B kind of guy. T Tyler Glass now is your ace. The problem, though, is, you know, he's been out a little bit the last couple of years. Um, logged a lot of innings this past year. Um, and I don't think Manuel Margot is is now the, uh, the, you know, the highlight of a trade deal as that extra piece. He's kind of just thrown into it where you're getting two guys that are young, that are leaving the organization now. So I think at baseball, you're either thinking 
wow, this is an unreal trade for the Dodgers. Or, man, do you really want to deal these two guys? And it's not really an in-between. Um, for me, the way that I see this now is I don't think that Manuel, I don't think that Margot is that that glimmering you know, add-on factor anymore. And it was reported that the Dodgers weren't super sold on that. We don't have confirmation on that, but multiple sources were able to corroborate that the Dodgers weren't super interested in Margot. But then after that, it came out that it's now contingent. The deal is contingent on whether or not Glass now resigns. So now I think that sweetens the deal a little bit for the Dodgers. Like, all right, we'll take Margot. We'll give up two of our best prospects who were terrific in, in the show last year. And we'll also get Glass now who will extend as well. So Ultimately, I think it is a bummer to see two guys like Pepio and DeLuca go. But for the Dodgers, you are getting, like I said, an ace caliber pitcher in right-hander Tyler Glass now. You've already extended him now to a five-year, $135 million contract. And you're also adding Margot, who I think is probably going to be a pretty good piece of the Dodgers lineup now, too. At the, at the absolute worst, he's going to be a pretty good depth piece. So you're losing DeLuca, who was good last year. You're losing Ryan Pepio, friend of the program, who we loved having on the show. Um, what people don't know is we had him on multiple times to record his interview in several pieces. He is the coolest guy on the planet. So definitely disappointing to see two guys like that go. Um, but ultimately, I like the way that this deal works. I saw a couple of different outlets put out like a trade grade yesterday. Most were giving it about a B plus for the Dodgers. I think that now jumps up to an A. I think that I think the Dodgers absolutely are getting a sweet deal here. You're giving up two guys that, you know, as much as I hate to say it, are ultimately unproven at the big league level because the sample size has been so small, despite being two guys that I know the two of us both really, really like to watch. But you're getting Tyler Glass now and Margot, who are immediately going to impact this lineup and this rotation, um, which is huge. But um, just to tease what our conversation is probably going to be after you chime in here, I think the Dodgers are not done with the rotation because you're you're adding one and you're adding a really good one in Tyler Glass now, but you're also giving up a guy like Brian Pepio, who we both considered as a, a crucial part of the rotation going into this season. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Dodgers, they're definitely selling high on Ryan Pepio. We saw him for about a month and a half, two months last year, look really good. But clearly there was something the Dodgers didn't trust as they gave the ball to Lance Lynn over Ryan Pepio in Game 3, and I think that pretty much told you all you needed to know about what the Dodgers thought of Pepio. It sucks, it's a drag, but again, the fact that you're getting glass now, you're locking him in for the next five years, and the thing that a lot of people just, I guess, seem to forget about is that Tyler Glass now, when he pitches, is one of the best starting pitchers in all of baseball. Josh, I uh, saw this tweet, it comes from Future, Dodger, Future Dodgers, who is a great follow, and he pretty much tweeted, here's where Tyler Glasnow ranks among all starters that have thrown at least 250 innings since 2020. There are 140 starters that qualify for this. Glasnow, since 2020, is third in strikeouts per nine innings, seventh in FIP, third in expected FIP, fourth in batting average allowed, second in called strike with percentage at 33%, uh, first in O contact percentage at 34%, and second in Stuff Plus at 134. Stuff Plus is a, is a metric that really is gaining a lot of steam. A lot of people really like to use Stuff Plus, and he's been the second best the last three years. The issue is he just hasn't been that healthy throughout his career. A lot of people are very concerned with his health, with his durability. But I did some research, Josh, as we always do here in Inside the Ravine. I spent my time crunching the numbers, going more in depth, and Tyler Glass now, I, I get it, he hasn't thrown a lot of innings in his career. Last year was his career high. 
but it's not because he's been missing time due to injuries. So Josh, going back to 2016, his rookie season, 23 innings pitched. That's because that was his rookie year. He was called up at the end. Not a whole lot. 2017, 62 innings pitched, but he spent half of the season in the minors. 2018, he goes up to 111 innings pitched, but that's because he was mainly used as a reliever. 2019, he did suffer his first major injury. He only threw 60 innings that year. 2020, he was healthy the entire season, 57 innings, but that was the condensed 2020 COVID season. 2021, he was healthy for the first two months, but then he he had to undergo Tommy John surgery, missed the rest of the year, pretty much missed all of 22. Those two years are pretty much wiped out. 2023, he does have an oblique injury, the same injury that Brian Pepio had. He misses the first month and a half of the year, but after that, he came back and he was healthy the rest of the season and threw 120 innings. So you take out the Tommy John and you take out this oblique injury that's totally irrelevant to his arm. He, for the most part, has been healthy. It's just because of the shortened season, him being a young prospect, him being a reliever. He hasn't had all those innings. So I'm personally not concerned with his health uh, because it's not like Dustin May where he's just consistently getting hurt with your arm. It's been a bunch of different injuries. And nowadays, especially, you don't need guys throwing 200 innings. I mean, Blake Snell just won the Cy Young Award, and he only threw 180 innings. So if you can get 180 innings out of Tyler Glass now, I think that would be fantastic. But honestly, I think 120 would be fine. 150 would be great. Anything above that would be awesome. So I'm I'm not all that concerned with his health uh, moving forward. And honestly, Josh, if he misses two months, that's fine. As long as he's healthy in October and he can be the Dodgers Game 1 or Game 2 starter, I don't care how many innings he pitches next season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, you know, he, I think he's a player that everybody knew was going to be, um, or that people may have thought might be on the market this summer as well. I, you know, when we talked about our off season, we didn't even really talk about Tyler Glass now really at all. Um, we kind of just talked about the guys who would be free agents and what the Dodgers could still do. Um, ultimately, you're right. Like, I think the innings uh, do kind of jump out to you. And, and some of the injury history that he has, which I think is what some people may have kind of thought after the trade was completed. But then you then the Dodgers extend him so that they've got him over the next couple of years. Uh, you know, that five year deal, 130 plus million. Um, ultimately, like, I think this is such a sweet deal for the Dodgers. And I think yeah. that Glasnow is a guy that has kind of been out of the spotlight a little bit, too. Obviously, you know, the playoff numbers aren't there. He does have a little bit of the injury history. Um, and, and the race did have that one year where they obviously played the Dodge in the World Series. But for the most part, with the two markets he's been in, um, that small sample size with Pittsburgh, and then the last couple of years with Tampa Bay, I feel like people haven't really watched him as much as some other big guys. And of course, he's not the first player we've seen come out of Tampa or Pittsburgh specifically, pitchers that have gone on and become, you know, big time names in baseball. But that's what this could be with him coming to the Dodgers. I think that he's an immediate ace to your rotation. I'm not super concerned with any of those numbers. Um, and then if you add him into a rotation that right now includes Walker Bueller and Bobby Miller, that's huge, huge, huge for the Dodgers. Uh, and then if you go in and add Shohei in a couple of years, um, maybe you add Yamamoto, maybe you add Kershaw. The Dodgers this year, or at least later this season going into the playoffs, could very easily have the best rotation in baseball. Of course, a lot could change between now and then. Guys could be hurt. Guys might not get signed. Um, guys could be pitching poorly. But ultimately, at face value on paper, I think there's a lot to be excited about. And you know what? He's a local guy. You know, he's yeah. from Santa Clarita. He went to Hart High School, which his team itself 
at Hart High School was was really good. But you look at some of the names that have already come out of Hart, like Tyler Glass now, Andrew Lorraine's from there, Kevin Millar, Pat Valeka, Todd Zeal. That's just a few of them. Trevor Bauer went to Hart yeah. as well a couple of years earlier. But um, Hart High School, man, they're just pumping out dudes at this point. <laughs> right. What's in the water in Santa Clarita? But yeah, he's a local kid as well. I'm sure he grew up a Dodgers fan, so that's awesome to have him back. I don't know what his AAV is going to be. I think it's something around $25 million. Again, it might be 25 26 But Josh, here's some of the guys. Some I, starting think I, pitchers. Actually, I think I actually just saw that come out, by the way. There might be something here. Um, the Sorry, I, I, I thought I saw that this come out. Um Rosenthal tweeted it. It said that the parties adjust. This is this is from Ken Rosenthal. Um, it said parties agreed to adjust the twenty five million that Glass now has coming in twenty twenty four, so that it's a ten million dollars signing bonus and a fifteen million dollars salary, which enables the Dodgers to make it a five year deal for purposes of the luxury tax, and it lowers the AAV from twenty seven and a half million to twenty seven million. Okay, so twenty seven million. I'm going to list off some pitchers that are earning just around there. Uh, Sonny Gray, his AAV is $25 million. Now, obviously, he just had a great year, was a Cy Young finest, I believe, but Sonny Gray or Tyler Glass now for that number, I, I would gladly take Tyler Glass now. Carlos mm-hmm. Rodon, his is $27 million with the Yankees. He pretty much, I think, missed almost all last year with an injury. Give me Glass now over him. Chris Sale, $29 million. Give me Tyler Glass now over him. Uh, Steven Strasburg is still getting $35 million a year. Oof, uh, not ideal there. But uh, Jacob DeGrom, $37 million. Verlander and uh, Scherzer, $43 million each. And now Scherzer's going to be list. out. Yeah. yeah, then you look down the that list as well. That came out today. Yeah, a, a few other little lower numbers. Patrick Corbin, $23 million. He sucks, and he's always hurt. Robbie Ray, $23 million. He missed pretty much all of last year, so... Overall, you know, people are a little worried by the high number, but when you look at some of the other pitchers that are getting that, if he's healthy, like if Tyler Glass now is healthy, he's a top 5-10 to 10 pitcher in all of baseball. It's just huge emphasis on if, but I'm pretty sure he'll be able to stay healthy barring any freak injuries. And Josh, one final thing on this trade. I just want to throw something Manuel Margot's way because I know the Dodgers reportedly weren't all that high on him. I know a lot of us fans weren't that high on him. We really we really wanted Randy Rosarena, but that probably would have taken a lot more prospect capital. Yeah. Manuel Margot, it's a little bit interesting because you look at his numbers. He's pretty much a league average hitter. He is great defensively, so it is going to be good to platoon him with Jason Hayward in right field. He does bring an above average glove. But Manuel Margot, for some reason, over the last couple of years, sucks at home at Tropicana Field. But on the road, Josh, in 2022, he hit 287 with a 119 WRC+. In 2023, on the road, he hit 303 with a 111 WRC+. So when he's not in the worst stadium in baseball, this guy is an above-average hitter. So I don't know, for some reason, he's just not seeing the ball well there. But a two-year stretch, he's been very good away from home, and he's been very good at Dodger Stadium throughout his career. And also, he hits lefties well. Last year against lefties, he had 277. In 2022, Josh, he hit 346 with a 159 WRC plus against lefties. So, I, I'm not comfortable with the 10 million that he's getting. I think the Rays are sending 4 million over to kind of cover it. But this is a guy, he hits lefties well, plays great defense. And for some reason, when he's not playing at Tropicana Field, 
he hits the ball well. So I think it's actually a pretty fine piece. Uh, again, he's not going to be a starter. He's going to be rotating with Jason Hayward. Maybe he'll be spending some time in left field. I personally have no issue with it. My only issue is the salary number. But again, if the Rays are sending $4 million, I think it cuts it down to $6 million. Um, as a bench piece, I personally, I, I got no issue with it. Yeah, and you know what? Going back and, and looking at it, when you know when the rumors first came out that he was attached to this trade, I kind of thought like, eh, he's probably not ideal for this situation. Um, I actually thought he was older than he was. He's only 29. He's going to be 29 at opening day. He's younger than I thought he was. Um, Yeah, the salary's not great, but like you said, I mean, really good away from home and has struggled at home, and that averages out to being actually pretty solid. I mean, he's not a home run guy. He doesn't hit the ball incredibly hard, but had a batting average at 264 this past year. His OPS was pretty meh. The year before, he hit 274. OPS was better. Like, he's had some good seasons, um, too, and and that kind of has averaged out while being really good on the road and not so good at home. So um, I think obviously you're getting a change of scenery. Um, He's been in Tampa Bay the last couple of years, um, started four years with the Padres, you know, mix it up a little bit, change of scenery, come to a new organization while being a little bit older. Um, Obviously when he was with the Padres, he was young, a couple of years with Tampa Bay and not a great ballpark, maybe not the best situation for him. But now he's, I would say he's considered a veteran at this point through eight seasons um, and where he's been ultimately pretty good throughout his career. So bring him to L.A., slot him into the lineup, maybe not an everyday guy, and see what you get from him. Yeah, one final thing on Margot: 25 career games at Dodger Stadium, hitting 281, OPS of 855, six homers in a 25 games. So he sees the ball well at Dodger Stadium, and we saw the Dodgers, they completely, they took a Jason Hayward that was on the street that no one wanted, and they gave him one of the best seasons of his career. So I think the Dodgers can do something with Marco. So overall, Josh, I think we're both in agreement. Solid trade for the Dodgers. Hate to see Pepia go. Hate to see DeLuca go. But this is a win-now move, and this makes the Dodgers a better team for next year. We're going to take one final break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up with another pitcher that the Dodgers potentially could add to this already great-looking starting rotation. All right, Josh, uh, one final thing that I want to touch up on before we, we end the show, and that is the fact that uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto is still a free agent. Uh, earlier in the week, it looks like he had his meeting with the Dodgers. There was that photo that was circulating on Twitter that I sent to you that the Dodgers had the Welcome to Dodger Stadium graphic on their Jumbotrons. And then it came out later in the day that not only was he having his meeting at Dodger Stadium, that the Dodgers brought out the top guns. Mookie Betts was there. Freddie Freeman was there. Will Smith was there, and Shohei Otani was also in attendance, and uh, I think Yamamoto met with the Phillies yesterday, he's probably going to meet with a couple other teams, so his decision probably isn't going to be for another week or so, but Josh, I mean, all the rumors we've heard about Yamamoto growing up a Dodgers fan, knowing Shohei Otani, Shohei Otani apparently is making a massive pitch to the Dodgers front office saying, I want you guys to sign this guy. We saw Shohei take, you know, a huge, huge discount so the Dodgers could afford to make these kind of signings. Um, as of right now, again, there's there's no rumor or report as to which way he's leaning. People think it's a 50-50 split between the Dodgers and the Yankees, but seeing the Dodgers go this all-out for Yamamoto, seeing Shohei Otani going this all-out to try and get Yamamoto, 
I'm personally confident that the Dodgers can get it done, and if they somehow are able to sign Yamamoto to whatever the contract is going to be, all of a sudden now, this starting rotation for the Dodgers is absolutely filthy. Yeah, I mean, it's it's scary good, and this is a player that obviously, as we all know, is unproven in Major League Baseball, but I think it goes without saying that he's been nothing short of ridiculous these last few years um, in one of the best leagues in the world. Uh, and, and I think it's pretty clear that he immediately slots in as an ace caliber pitcher. And, and I know that obviously a lot of the top teams are, are interested in him, you know, Mets and Yankees have both been tied to him. Um, but I think it really bodes well for the Dodgers, especially after the Shohei signing, which again is why Shohei is priority number one, because this is a player that's, that's played with Shohei, um, you know, at an international level, um, top pitcher coming out of Japan. They know each other allegedly. Um, Yamamoto was a Dodgers fan growing up. The best pitch you can have is Shohei wants to be here. Why wouldn't you want to be here? And then also here's a check. Like, I I think that that's a pretty good pitch for the Dodgers just by itself. So um, obviously, as we know, you know, he was meeting allegedly at Dodger stadium the other day, Um, Mookie, Freddie and Shohei were all involved. And I think that that bodes well for the Dodgers. Of course, anything could still happen. Um, You know, I've heard, within the last 24 hours or so that maybe there's a, a fourth team that people weren't expecting to get involved in the mix as well. Um, but I think right now the Dodgers are probably in pretty good shape. Yeah. I mean the, the recruiting job they've been doing is fantastic. And at the end of the day, they'll offer money to Yamamoto. I think there have been reports saying he cares about the money, but money isn't going to be what ultimately the final deciding factor is going to be because at the end of the day, if you're signing a $260 million contract or a $300 million contract, you're still pretty much set up for life. It's just a matter of what does he prefer. I've seen a bunch of reports saying he might not want to share the spotlight with Shohei Otani. He might want to go somewhere where he'd kind of be like the guy, which, again, I, I got no issue with if that's what he wants. But if he truly you know, cares about winning, wants to be on a winning team for the next decade, play alongside a guy that he is friends with, that he's known for a long time, it really is hard to see how the Dodgers don't sign him and get, unless Steve Cohen comes out and gives him $350 million or something like that. Or, yeah, he just says, yeah, I, I didn't want to share the spotlight with Otani. I, I kind of didn't want to be, you know, in that kind of light with him. So we'll have to wait and see. But all to me, all signs point to Dodgers. And if that's the case, again, what a rotation it's going to be. The Dodgers, I know... They're kind of hitting it close now to the whole luxury tax threshold with all these different numbers. I think Jack Harris tweeted out before the show, the Dodgers are right at about, I think, $250 million. So they're going over that 237 threshold, and I think they have like $27 million to go until they get to the next threshold. But at this point, I don't think the Dodgers care about going over the threshold because, again, Shohei wants them to win, and if they want to win, they got to sign the big guys. But also, since Shohei is only getting $2 million, they're kind of getting like a $40 million off coupon, Josh, in a way. Because yeah. although Shohei's number towards the luxury tax is $46 million, that's just kind of like imaginary money. So they're not spending that $46 million. That's just a number. So theoretically, let's say the payroll is $280 million and you got to pay $40 million in taxes. Well, the $40 million in taxes, again, think of that as the money that you're saving by not paying Shohei. So... Although you're going to see the number that the Dodgers are spending is going to be high, 
take 40 million away from that because that's what the number is actually going to be. So hopefully they're aggressive with Yamamoto. I personally have no problem with whatever they offer him because although the glass now edition is nice, the Dodgers do need another starting pitcher. They need another race. And if they bring in Yamamoto, you're getting a guy who's only 25, who has not even probably entered his prime yet. They can be your number one, number two starter for the next decade plus. So I hope the Dodgers go all in. I know Shohei hopes they go all in because a rotation of Yamamoto, Glasnow, Bueller, Bobby Miller, that would be absolutely something. So Josh, any any final thoughts on Yamamoto? Is there a number that you would kind of be hesitant with? Or are you at the stage now where you're just thinking, uh, just do whatever it takes to uh, make it happen? Yeah, I say just get him. Just do whatever it takes. The one thing that I'm interested in seeing is, you know, you mentioned, you know, for the next decade plus, I wonder if it's not that long. I mean, you know, Shohei signing for the next 10 years is going to be huge in trying to get Yamamoto here long term. But I really yeah. wouldn't be surprised to see him do similar to what Shohei did where, you know, five or six year deal to start off. And then if you're a free agent, see what kind of money you can bring in after those next few years. And also maybe see if there's something else open for you. Cause you know, when Shohei came over, his priorities seemed to be a little bit different than what they were now when he chose the Dodgers Because originally, right. He didn't want a huge market, right? So originally he was tied to the angels. He was tied to the Mariners. And then this next time when he comes out, you've got all these big market teams that are the front runners and the Dodgers did not seem to be really in the mix for Shohei the first time. Maybe the priorities change a little bit for Yamamoto in the future. So sign a shorter deal. But of course, if you're the Dodgers, you're looking at kind of locking up and getting that security for for even longer. So I'm cool with what it takes to get him, especially with the way that the Shohei deal worked out and we talked about earlier, and especially after the Glass Now deal. If you have an opportunity to lock in what could already be by itself one of the best dynamic duos in a, in a rotation in baseball before they've even thrown a pitch for your organization before Yamamoto has thrown a pitch in major league baseball. That's huge. And then the opportunity to add Bobby Miller. Great. But then also Walker Bueller. And then at some point Shohei Otani, and then just maybe Clayton Kershaw somewhere in yeah. that mix as well. I, I say, do what you got to do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's hard not to get excited. Like you said, maybe he does a contract where he has opt outs, uh, maybe something like an eight-year deal that maybe like opt out, opt outs after the third or fourth year. I'm sure they'll get creative with whatever it is, but yeah, I'm at the point now, give him whatever he wants, lock up Yamamoto, lock up the entire, you know, Japanese market, because if they get Shohei and Yamamoto, I don't know how anyone over there could not be a Dodgers fan and not watching every game. So we'll see. Again, we don't know when Yamamoto's decision is going to come. It could be this weekend, could be a week or two weeks from now. I think his deadline is like January 4th, January 5th. It's like the first week of January, so he still does have have some time, but that does wrap up today's episode. There is still a lot of other Dodgers news and rumors that we're going to get to in the coming days, in the coming weeks, so make sure to stay tuned for that. A lot of great content coming, and hopefully the next episode, Josh, all the news we have to get to is going to be on the back burner because we're talking about Yamamoto uh, signing with the Dodgers. So uh, any, any final thoughts, concerns, dreams, aspirations before we uh, head out for the week? It's December 15th and I'm already excited, which is not a good thing because yeah. we have to wait quite a bit for even spring training. But then as we saw this year, I, I'm really trying to not get my hopes up so early because you and I, you know, we, we talked a lot about trying to keep our expectations a little bit limited this last summer um, about what the Dodgers, you know, were going to do this past season because we were looking forward to this off season. And now yeah. this off season is here. 
and we're getting the things happening that we kind of hoped for and expected during this last season. But that still doesn't stop from us getting our expectations high as the team continued right. to win last year. So I'm already excited. It's December 15th at the time of recording. So let's just let's hope for another holiday gift here, huh? Yeah, if they sign Yamamoto, we're going to be down bad. The amount of hoping we're going to have is going to be uh, it's going to be way too high. But hey, still a lot of moves that need to happen, so stay tuned for that. Make sure you guys follow the show on whatever social media app you guys use. We're on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and on YouTube. Just look us up at Inside the Ravine. You guys can also listen wherever you guys get your podcasts. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and of course on the Odyssey app. For Josh Schaefer, this has been Blake Harris. Thank you guys so much for listening. We do appreciate it. And as always, we hope you enjoy the rest of your week wherever you may be.